Hello, welcome to the podcast. It's your boy, Brad. And it's also your boy, Jadrian. I'm here. Um, and this is Fun Fact Collectors. This is Fun Fact Collectors, as it is every single week. And what is this, episode 18? Look at us going. 1.5 dozen. 18's my lucky number. Is it? Yeah. That's wow, my favorite number go. because when I was a kid, that was the highest number I could think of the first time somebody asked me <laughs> what my favorite number was. Fair enough. So maybe this will be the one that goes uh, super viral. I've picked I a much feel less... like it's not going to be based on your tone? No, that's fine. I, I have, I've picked something much less controversial this time. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Because I was a little bit stressed out because I was like, what do I want to talk about? Like, I don't have anything novel that I'm super into at this exact moment in time. But I've been talking an awful lot about electric cars. So you're going to get the electric car lecture. Oh, no. No, it's fine. You are on an electric car. Um, I was going to say a train, but <laughs> Spiel, convoy? Kick, an electric dive. car convoy? Yeah, yeah, that'll work. We'll take that. So I got you a little bit of stuff about the history. Because um, I kind of knew this. But every time I, I, I get another little tidbit about the history of electric cars, I'm always like, huh, isn't that cool? Because, I know nothing about the history of electric yeah, cars. So I'm very well, excited. Well, fun fact. I feel like right now, most people would think, oh, yeah, electric cars. Those started... 10 15 years ago right tesla started doing stuff nissan leaf yada 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 you know oh yeah i, I know there were some like weird like prototypey things in like the 70s and 80s and 90s but nothing ever really got anywhere nothing mass market yeah and is that kind of like where, where you're coming from um i would have probably said a little earlier like prototypes 70s 80s and then i would have expected like 90s maybe like some more serious prototypes like it takes yeah. a long time to um develop why am i talking like i know anything about this it feels like <laughs> my guess as someone who knows nothing about cars is that it probably takes a long time to build a new car especially uh, when you're creating totally new technology yeah so i would have assumed that nissan leaf version one was probably like 1991 and it took them this long to actually get it right yeah well fun fact the first like consumer electric cars started rolling out of the factory in the late 1800s wow that's illegal it's crazy so we talked a little bit like in the electricity episode and it was it was the 1800s when we finally figured out how to start harnessing electricity. People started inventing electric motors. I think we talked about how like some places had electric tram lines in, you know, the 1880s, 1890s. Really? I didn't know that. I don't think we talked about that. Maybe it may have glossed over that point, uh, but we did. We, we had electric trams then. I mean, that was the heyday really of the electric tram and the streetcar suburb was let's just run this tram out here, throw some wires on there, bada bing, bada boom. You got yourself electric vehicle transportation. It was the invention of the humble lead acid battery in 1859 that really kind of made non-grid tied electric transportation possible, which is it's wild 
that like the same battery that's in your car right now that starts your car in the morning. <laughs> Most days, if we're lucky. <laughs> but it, it's the same basic principle that was invented in 1859. And wild. Yeah. Fun fact about lead acid batteries. They're actually one of the most recyclable things that humanity has. Because the way a lead acid battery works is you've got your lead and you've got your acid. (laughs) And (laughs) the reason that your battery will stop working is the battery gets covered. Sulfide, sulfidation, something like that. Um, So it stops working, but you can just basically take the lead out, take the acid out, reforge the lead into shiny new lead clean up the acid and just make a new battery out of it. Like it, it's almost infinitely recyclable, which is just, it's crazy. That so is crazy. Yeah. Wild. Anyway. So English inventor Thomas Parker was responsible for electrifying a ton of stuff. He electrified the London underground and just imagine a subway that burns stuff underground imagine the air quality i'm sure like i know there were air vents and stuff like that but just oh that just sounds horrifying i just feel like the idea of like traveling on a train underground is already so novel to me (laughs) i've been on the subway in toronto once and i was like well that's pretty neat we really (laughs) are living in the 21st century (laughs) We're so so. No. I am like an 1800s lady, being like, huh? Not yep. that ladies would have been allowed to go on the subway, I assume. But. <laughs> well, we'll get to that a little bit. So, yeah, invented the. Uh, we'll try that. Um, potentially built his first electric car in 1884, but the only documentation of that is a photo from 1895, so over a decade later. But still, um, he had a long-held interest in more fuel-efficient vehicles. He was also potentially concerned with the negative effects of smoke and like the immense pollution in London. Who could have thought? (laughs) I I know, right? I have a question. Yeah. What was the photo of? I assume just the car being like, here's a picture of my car. Okay. It wasn't just like a selfie. No. Well, I I assume he was like crouched down in front of it like like I do (laughs) with every new car that I get. (laughs) Yeah. crouch, Crouch down. Let's describe it. Arms crossed. Rock on symbol. Yeah. Prominent. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's like double peace signs. Not, not. Oh, like I'm the, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot that you're white. <laughs> I'm peaceful, man. <laughs> Thomas Parker had gone on. Uh, he was involved with the electric construction company, which basically had a monopoly on British electric cars in the 1890s. And France was also pretty on board with the widespread development of electric cars. They were also using electric trains at the time to transport coal out of coal mines. That's hilarious. Hilarious because the electric cars didn't like consume the the precious oxygen inside the mines. Yeah, it's like at no point. Like, oh, I guess at some small point, people were like, maybe we should just use these instead. But do you know what's crazy? Because right now, electric cars are fighting against internal combustion engines. Okay, and I just stressed internal there because a lot of these articles talking about the late 1800s talks about how electric cars were handily beating combustion automobiles at the time, setting distance records, setting speed records against steam cars. Did you know we had steam cars? I feel like I've encountered steam cars before. It's just 
And I mean, I, that I, seems like a reasonable jump. Yeah, it it does. It just it would be stranger to me that if we didn't ever have steam yeah, cars. I think. And I guess like steam cars are what, like in opposition to internal combustion, they are external combustion engines. Yeah. And I was like, I, I guess, I guess I never really put much thought to like the specific semantics <laughs> I, of internal combustion. I guess technically you could argue that. Yeah. So anyway, um, electric cars in the old days were zipping around, beating out steam cars quite handily at seemingly everything. Uh, you know, they had electric, you know, all wheel drive, four wheel drive, all this crazy stuff. Uh, the first electric cars in the States came in, or developed in the States was in 1890, 1891. Uh, it was this sick little uh, six passenger wagon. Wow. Could go to a top speed of 23 kilometers an hour or 14 miles per. If I see anybody on the road today going 23 miles and under 23 <laughs> kilometers an hour, I don't care if we're in a school zone. You're going too slow. Well, well keep in mind, this is before regular cars existed and so this is in comparison to a horse-drawn carriage yeah that's pretty zippy yeah that's zippy uh and this it's crazy to think about how much slower life moved even a hundred years ago yeah like you're just like man it like if you if your primary mode of transportation was either like horse or like just walking yeah your whole day, you're like, I can do one thing today. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> I like can even... walk to the store and I can walk home. Yeah. Well, even like a horse-drawn carriage, um, I don't think is really much faster than a brisk walk because, uh, and you know this, but my grandparents had horses when I was young. And actually this time of year, May long weekend, them and all their, their less old at the time folk friends would go out and do what we called the wagon train, which was just throw a bunch of stuff in a wagon drive around the woods, set up camp, break camp, drive a little farther, and just kind of, you know, your your Oregon Trail wagon training type thing. It was always quite fun. You all but took I turns spend, getting dysentery. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I would spend the whole time standing on the back step of the wagon, jumping off, running to my friend's wagon, chatting with them, running on the side of the road, finding cool sticks, finding cool rocks, doing kid stuff. But, like, you could easily keep up with it. Now, granted, we were kids, right? you um, kids. But you, but but you also... could keep up with the wagon train on foot. And like they're not obviously working these horses as hard as they can, but you're probably not going to work, you know, when you're just going across town, you're probably not working your horse as hard as you can either. Yeah. And you're also like going through the woods. Yeah, wh what do you think roads were in 1896? I mean, <laughs> most of our city would have been established. Yeah. So you have like some dirt roads, maybe a few cobblestone streets. I don't know. I'm not picturing like paved roads. Yeah, yeah. I just meant like there's a big difference between a beaten dirt road and a forest road that's full of rocks. Man, no. you know, I would I would bet no shocks that, on those carriages. But I would bet that the forest service roads we were on in the wagons, you know, 20 years ago are probably in better shape than the roads through the cities were 100 years ago because they're maintained for the like the, the woods trucks. They're graded with, you know, power graders yeah because like the roads in the cities 100 years ago are probably still going to have potholes and washouts and stuff but i i assume it's a lot harder to repair those back in the day yeah i mean they seem to have a pretty hard time repairing them today that's considering true the state of our streets but you know that is true any that darn government and their potholes <laughs> what are my tax dollars even paying for 
getting off the horses, back onto electric cars. You know, wait, in but really if, nice... you know what they say though, because if you get back off the horse, you gotta get back on again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, it's basically what we as society did with EVs. You're we, so we fell sick off of me them, right now. and now we're back onto them. And so what? <laughs> I said you're so sick of me right now. No, it's fine. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so early electric cars had lots of advantages compared to non-electric cars. They didn't have like the vibrations and the shakes, the smell, the noise. They didn't require gear changes. Oh. Um, because I guess we'll, we'll get into that part a little more later on. Um, unlike steam cars, they didn't require like a half hour to 45 minutes <laughs> to start up because, you know, you got to get the steam boiling. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. I got to go boil my car real quick. Right? <laughs> um, and they didn't have any manual effort to start because like you, you like, I'm sure you can picture like cartoons and stuff of ye olden days where dad has to get to the front of the car with the crank handle to start it up right I feel like that's very Mickey Mouse yeah but that's actually how you had to start cars back in the day because we didn't have electric starters and um, the reason we have electric starters now is in like 1911, I think I have some more notes here. Uh, one of the head guys at Cadillac, that Cadillac, um, had a, a friend, I forget if it was seriously injured or died starting his car oh. because the crank handle, right? Like when, once you start it, that's connected to the engine. So now it's spinning around wildly. And if it cracks you in, in, you know, the head area, Aww. you know, like getting kicked by a horse, right? That's so sad. He's like, this engine killed my buddy, so I'm going to fix the problem. Yeah. That's so so wholesome. Yeah. So he commissioned someone to make uh, electric car starters. And uh, oh, he commissioned. Oh, well, well, no, he this is not like this is not like Billy Bob out back in his shed developing the electric starter. This is like Richie Richardson. Well, no, he, he's, other people to he's the guy who starter. runs Cadillac, a car manufacturing company is like, geez, it would be great if our product didn't kill people, including my yeah, friends. I suppose that's and fair. Then, it's more of a liability thing. Well, no, like when they, when they internally couldn't produce one, they, they went looking for outside people to invent it for them. And so like these early, early electric cars obviously weren't going hundreds and hundreds of miles. But as we discussed, People weren't used to going hundreds and hundreds of miles in their mm. own car because cars as we know it didn't exist. Yeah. You want it to go far, take a train or take a long time to get there. Yeah. So they were great city cars, especially because cities weren't built for cars. They were built to be walkable. So if you're suddenly in a car that can go like two and three times faster than you can do walking or horse drawn carriage, my God, you're going to be all over the place. Didn't I send you something about that on Facebook? Something about um, roads that were built. I'm going to find it. It's going to take me. Stand by. If you want to give me some more context, I can probably just figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like I what roads being something. designed for speed? I sent you something about a city where um, there's like no streets in it because it was all just designed for walking. So like all the houses are built. Yeah. We talked about this. Yeah. Well, oh my God. Yeah. I'm surprised I haven't got more into urban planning on this podcast. Urban planning of ancient Egypt. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The Wikipedia page. That's what I sent you. Still haven't gotten to read that one, but oh, and I could do a whole different podcast about urban planning. But I mean, the really short version is that for the entirety of human existence, we had to build cities to be walkable because that's how people got around. 
And then in the 1920s-ish, which ties nicely into this, um, internal combustion cars, they realize, hey, gas is cheap. We have these internal combustion cars that don't murder you when you start them anymore. Mm. Let's just use these and put a bunch of roads places. And that's what gave birth to the suburb. And now we have minimum parking requirements. And now everything's got to be car centric, which means <laughs> you have to drive everywhere now. But there's a whole different story. And finally, some places now are realizing, hey, wouldn't it be great if people didn't have to own a car? Like if you don't go watch Not Just Bikes on YouTube. He's got so many great things. He's from London, Canada, or as he calls it, fake London, um, <laughs> ended up moving to Europe. He lives in the Netherlands now, I think Amsterdam. And it's wild because you'll have these like before and after shots of like, here's the 60s when Amsterdam was drinking the US Kool-Aid and just built like a four lane highway through their downtown. And now they've taken that out and now it's back to a walkable city. And it's like, it's great. You don't have to to own a car, right? I can bike most places or I can get on a train or a tram or like local inner city transit and get almost anywhere I need. And I can get onto a train to basically anywhere else in Europe, like without checking a schedule. Yeah, that's peak. Do you yeah. want to move to Europe? Because oh, like we could move to Europe. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, like I said, electric cars kind of start to lose out on that position in like the 1920s uh, because gas cars could go farther. And everyone's like, oh, boy, my freedom. Um, and they had, they had cheap oil at that point in time. And why did car and engine technology advanced so much leading into the 1920s bradley the war war, it's always the war it's always the war yeah war is great for technology innovation because it's basically hey here's unlimited funding what can you do yeah i was gonna say it's great for technology that can be used as a weapon but that's not true either because the uh first ambulance was invented in a war so but you know what's funny is the u.s can't be marines one of the u.s military divisions um their mountain warfare unit is going back to using pack mules like literal mules um because it 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 works for really rough like rugged mountain terrain yeah um which is just it's it's kind of funny to see it come full circle and realize hey you know what these things actually work pretty good i feel like that is the truth of society today Half of what we're doing is moving so far forward into like sci-fi and the other half of what we're doing is being like, oh, wait, we screwed up. They had it right a while ago. Let's go back to that. (laughs) Reject modernity. Return to monkey. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, like we said, electric cars kind of um, disappeared for most of the 20th century um there there were some on on again off again attempts and stuff but never anything serious mass market kind of the start of the return was in 2004 tesla motors um which fun fact the company is now just called tesla it was called tesla motors for a long time also fun fact it wasn't founded by elon musk elon musk didn't invent tesla he just came in and bought most of it did, does then, he tell people he invented Tesla? Oh, I, I'm not going to comment on that because right. I don't want to. I don't want to draw the heard... ire of, of the Muscovites. Okay, <laughs> but hey, yeah. if we want to go viral, that's well, true. But then we're going <laughs> to get banned from Twitter. Oh well, what a shame. I know. 
My Twitter is only a crawfish fan page. So, (laughs) and that is the truth. So yeah, 2004 Tesla starts development on the, on the original Tesla Roadster. And that's just basically a Lotus lease body with electric vehicle bits jammed into it. It sells them in 2008. And that makes the Roadster the first highway legal serial production all electric car to use a lithium ion battery. Cool. And the first production electric car that can travel to more than 200 miles or 320 kilometers per charge. So that, that's a lot of qualifiers. That is a lot of qualifiers. There's the lakes episode all over again. I, I know. Uh, oh, I have some lake fun facts for follow up oh, too. Just no. don't forget. <laughs> But I, I, I think really you can say the Tesla Roadster was kind of the first modern electric car. Um, it talks about being the first serial production all electric car to use lithium ion batteries. Serial production just means it's being made in a factory on like a production line. Mm-hmm. It's not like a bespoke one off yeah, or two like off or custom. ten off handcrafted thing. Yeah. Um, lithium ion batteries. So I think everyone... Everyone, everyone's definitely familiar with them if you don't know them by name. But I mean, you're a '90s kid. You remember back when you you only want to charge your thing when it was all the way dead, and then charge it all the way full because there was memory and all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember being yelled at about that. Yeah. So those those were nickel cadmium batteries. Those were kind of the height of battery tech in the I don't know, maybe the '80s and '90s, and then it's the early 2000s. modern lithium ion battery tech starts coming out and the great thing with lithium ion batteries is they're way 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 more energy dense than lead acid batteries are they can be discharged a lot uh, more they can be charged quicker they can provide more power basically they're just better in every way i have a question yeah is the inside of a battery all like wet and goopy yeah well it's not just like it's not like you, you pop the top on a battery and it's only juice in there. What else um, is in there? Dry stuff? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So Wet things and dry things and the dry stuff doesn't get wet? Well, it's like um, like if you open up a lithium-ion battery, you're going to have like the electrolyte solution and then like the, the metal um, plates all rolled up inside oh, there. Oh, I was thinking so, powder. Yeah, no, it's not powder. <laughs> it, it's like, like a plate. And then you have like the plate basically separates the positive from the negative side. And can you touch the stuff that's inside of it? I mean, I feel like you wouldn't want to. Okay. It's probably not healthy for you. Do you remember when I touched the thermal paste? Vaguely. Yeah. All right. Go on. I'm sure you can. It's like anything. right? I'm sure you can touch it a little bit. But the more you touch it, the more not very good. You can touch it, but only once. Yeah. (laughs) You can touch anything once. (laughs) You can touch the surface of the sun once. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, lithium ion batteries, I mean, they're using everything now, like power tools, cell phones, laptops, doorbells, like everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. They basically power modern society. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not as recyclable or, or we don't have the capability to recycle them as easily as we did lead acid. Cause mm-hmm. when we talk lead acids, super duper recyclable. Yeah. But lead, I assume uh, lead acid has like a much lower capacity and is like, yeah. Yeah. And way, right? way heavier. Yeah. So with lead acid, um, like I, bet I was a looking lot of goop at inside those batteries, yeah, lead, lead or yeah, acid goop, acid goop. Probably uh, shouldn't I was touch looking, that either. I was looking at 
the Polaris Ranger, which is like a side by side. And they had an electric one that was on lead acid batteries. And they just recently came out with one. I'm pretty sure using lithium ion and like the capabilities between are like like night and day difference. Hmm. It's like huge change in range, weight, speed, like everything. Um, So aside from like manufacturing and end of life concerns, Mm -hmm. lithium ions are better better in every technical sense of the word. Yeah. Um, Now there's it's different because like, of course, you know, I think we've probably probably talked enough there's probably enough general knowledge about the problems around oil and gas extraction but the nickel or no the cobalt i think the cobalt that goes into a lead acid uh, the cobalt that goes into a lithium-ion battery is one of the more difficult things to get um both in like the environmental impact in extracting it and the fact Mm -hmm. that a lot of the countries that we purchase it from uh are not exactly upstanding countries in terms Mm. of human rights Mm. Uh, but the good news is that there's a new subset of lithium ion batteries uh, called lithium iron phosphate. And I don't think they use cobalt or they use less of it. Cool. Um, and they are less fire risky. We'll cool. But uh, so, yeah, so Tesla Roadster is the, the first technical electric car. Um, and then the Nissan Leaf. It comes into Japan in the U.S. in 2010. Sorry, yeah, the Roadster starts delivering in, tw- in 2008. The Nissan Leaf gets introduced in 2010, and it becomes the first modern all-electric hatchback to be produced for mass market from a major manufacturer because the Tesla Roadster it. only had... Yeah, so they sold just about 2,500 Roadsters. So oh, not, not many at all. Yeah, not really a lot, whereas the Leaf, I mean, they've sold... Uh, Definitely tens. I assume at least I assume we're into the hundreds of thousands of, of leaves sold across the world now. Um, yeah, in September 2021, European sales totaled more than 200,000 units. And is that for the year or is that forever? Either way, hundreds of thousands of leaves. Yeah. Question. Yeah. Um, was the electric car and like battery development stuff that you talked about happening on like roughly the same timeline in Asia? Because I feel like technology wise, a lot of innovation comes out of like China, Japan, and then specifically for cars. Like when I think of electric cars, I think of Japanese cars. Mm-hmm. Are they developing on the same timeline? Are they ahead? Are they like behind? Do you mean like in the 18-1900s? Well, like 18-1900s and then in terms of like improving, um, even talking about like Tesla and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Like, are they, I don't know, are they working on the same, the same goals? Well, I, this is all a baseless assumption. I assume the 18-1900s, probably not. Because it seems like the like everything I've read so far talks about UK, France, United States. Mm. And I know that Japan around that time um, would have like just like really started opening up to foreigners then. So I imagine they weren't importing a whole lot of foreign ideals and, and automobiles um, in the experimental times. Um, China, I have no idea. Um, I think the reason you see a lot of Japanese brands, specifically like Nissan being involved in 
modern EVs is that you've got companies like Panasonic, Sanyo, um, like big Japanese tech battery manufacturers that produce those batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I mean, like even like, especially like the eighties and nineties, I feel like Japan had this kind of air of like technical sophistication around it. Uh, and you know, like you've got your, like your Sony products, um, or, or just, you know, all, all the high tech stuff from the eighties or like, you know, eighties action movies, right. It, it's always Japanese business people, you know, looking at you diehard, Nakatomi Plaza, mm-hmm. <laughs> Nakatomi Corporation. Um, I did a quick Google. Um, 1898 first automobiles driven in Japan. It's yeah. imported from France. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. And then it goes on and on. 1924 Ford starts operations in Japan. Yeah. So, it was so this is like well like, after. Yeah. It was big. Days. It was all like big imports. It was like yeah. American vehicles being imported and then later on produced and then eventually Japanese yeah. car companies opening. Which I, is I know that. Yeah, I know China now, obviously, like, like the Chinese car market is this weird mix of of the rest of the world and China domestic. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know on the Wikipedia, there's there's list of um, like, pr- like current production models and they break it out between the like literally it's outside the Chinese market and Chinese market origin. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, because there's so many things that only exist in China for, for Chinese needs. Very interesting. Um, th- there's a, a number of YouTube videos about people buying. It's like, here's my $2,000 electric truck from China. Mm-hmm. It's, it's from Wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, Wish might be, might, be, might be a better experience. I'll send you a couple mm. of these, but they're, they're funny because like, right. it's like, sure, the truck's $2,000, but then it costs you $500 to ship it. Oh, do you want one? with wheels that's that's extra oh do you want windows that's extra and like really nickel and dimey so yeah it's like this truck starts at two thousand dollars but i think uh i think like donut Mini did one and they were probably like five or eight grand by the time they got this in and like it's fine but it's basically like a glorified golf cart Mm. it's interesting though um but yeah now there, there there's a a definite like line like with so many things right between china and rest of world Mm -hmm. um anyway so yeah basically the the leaf uh really started off the the mainstream consumer uh it beat the tesla model s by two years to market um and then my opinion but i feel like i feel like nissan really kind of squandered it because they had the leaf they were kind of the first ev and then they didn't change the leaf until 2018. Oh, so they were just like, we peaked and now we're going to cruise on that high. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah, and we'll get into some of the, the specifics, my thoughts about it. But anyway, it, it's it's cool. And like, obviously, you know this, but for the listeners, um, I just recently sold my GMC Yukon, <laughs> which is great big SUV truck. Uh, and I He's bought a guzzler. It was a guzzler. And I traded it in for a Nissan Leaf. And honestly, I couldn't be happier so far. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Um, I feel I like I'm behind. I haven't taken for a drive yet, but it's no. it's fun. I mean, so, I'm sure it's great. I don't know yeah. if I'm a, I'm a got to drive in the new car kind of person, but. No. <laughs> I You uh, can take me for a drive, but we have to get ice cream. No eating in the car. 
We well, we could eat ice cream at the location <laughs> and then turn around and drive back. Yeah, we'll do that sometime. Maybe it's nice this weekend. Anyway, so it's supposed to rain all weekend. Boo. So perks of electric cars, because I feel like actually yeah. So perks of electric cars. Um, from a driving perspective, I've never had a vehicle this like peppy before. Mm. Like you've you've driven with pre-leaf Brad. And yes. like pre-leaf Brad was probably physically incapable of getting a speeding ticket. Would you agree? I would agree with that. I would say pre-leaf Brad is in the danger of being Ross from that episode of Friends where he gets a ticket for going too slow. <laughs> but with the leaf, because it's got so much zing to it, I'm like, ooh, I got to pay attention now or I might actually get a speeding ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, it has instant torque. This is an torque. admission of guilt. No, I haven't got one yet. We're fine. Uh so EVs basically universally have just like instant torque or throttle response. So in like the CRV, if I put my foot down, first of all, there's this big long gap where the where the car is like, huh. Yeah. So you're putting your foot down. So I guess you want to go faster. Okay, well, yeah. let me see. Let me go crunch the numbers. And okay, well, and and you know, this thing has a turbo on it. So if you actually want to go faster, we got to spin that up. And... Yeah, so... I mean, you should see the difference even just between like my car which is a 2017 Toyota Corolla Mm -hmm. and dad's old 1998 Sienna minivan. I assume the Sienna, as soon as you put your foot down, it must be going, eh? No, the Sienna, you put your foot down and it's about 45 seconds later that it picks up. (laughs) That's how it feels. And Uh, then, so like sometimes I drive our car and I'm like, oh, like I, I drive the van and then I, I drive in the car and I'm like, oh, I got to be careful. I'm I'm going to like, I'm going to rear end somebody. Yeah. But the, the leaf, when you take it out of eco mode, like I've I've squealed the tires without trying to on it. Wow. Coming around corners and like pulling out of stuff. Wow. You look and... like such a such a jerk. <laughs> I was going to say a word, but yeah. I don't think we're allowed to swear on here. And. So. And one of the things I've been telling everyone who's gotten this lecture from me so far is I I wait. Firmly... Do you have other podcasts? No, no, just just my my general friends and family lecture info. Oh, dumps. okay, just <laughs> for free. Yeah, yeah, for free, for free. <laughs> I, like we're not giving this away for free, also. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm making huge money. Gatorade called me after your whole Powerade <laughs> thing. <laughs> They've offered me a competing yeah. deal. Oh wow. We're going to have a showdown episode now. I'm making double what I was before. <laughs> but yeah, so I've been telling everyone, I believe that this leaf, which is, I have a 2015, but it's it's basically, the it's still the first generation. I think it's the least capable electric vehicle on the road. And I love it. So when I say least capable, I, I'm not saying it as a negative thing. I'm saying... Like, th- this is probably functionally the worst EV you can buy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so fantastic. You're making so, me jealous. Yeah, and I don't well, even like having to car. <laughs> well, I'm trying to convince your husband to get one for his second vehicle. Your Wait, second vehicle. we're getting a second vehicle? Well, no, because he, he keeps this talking about oh, maybe. This is news to me. Uh, he, he window shops. Mm-hmm. But uh, so anyway, it's it's very fast to drive. Um, and like, we rented a, a Tesla when we were away for vacation. 
And man, that thing ripped. And we weren't even in like a, a performance oriented Tesla. This was mm-hmm. just like a, a regular Tesla. And it was like twice as, as fast zero to 60 as this leaf is. Or, I feel like that uh, would be so scary to drive on like streets you're not familiar with. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. Um, another interesting fact around electric cars is the maintenance. Just that there's so much less. Because I don't know if you've ever like stopped to think about all the things that move inside like a combustion engine. But like, do you know how many pieces are, are just like one cylinder? And you've probably got at least four cylinders. Wow. You've got the whole gearbox. You've got drive shafts. You've got torque converters and like all these different like ropes and pulleys and water pumps and alternators and starters and cooling fans and radiators and holy smokes with a lot of stuff in there. And everything's got its own kind of juice. You got oil. I'm very you got interested gas. in the juice. <laughs> you know, oil, gas, transmission fluid. There's so much stuff versus an electric car, right? Nothing's moving inside the battery. Uh, the electric motor spins and then the wheels spin and then your shocks move them down and the steering wheel turns. Like if, if there's hundreds or maybe like thousands even of like individual parts that move inside of a of a gas car, there's like a handful of dozens in an EV. Wild. So there's just so much less to go wrong, which means they should cost less to maintain. Mm. And speaking of less to maintain, the cost of electricity, like per kilometer driven, is like such a fraction of the equivalent cost in gas. Because as we discussed in our electricity episode, it's like for every you know liter of gas you burn, only 20% of the energy per liter of gas actually turns into wheel motion in a car. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. an electric car is turning like 90 some percent of the electrical energy it consumes into movement energy. So it's just it's just so crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, it depends on where you are. I think here it works out to be about like a quarter the cost. Yeah. Per like kilometer driven for the the fuel or the energy requirement. Um, it depends on how much gas costs and how much electricity costs where you live. Mm-hmm. But like it, I, I, th- I think the average for the states, which is a lot cheaper gas and a lot more expensive electricity, is about like a 50 percent reduction in driving costs. I mean, any um, reduction is a win, but like, is. damn, electric cars go hard. Yeah. Well, any reduction is a win, but because electric vehicles are still new and generally more expensive compared to an equivalent yes. gas car, obviously the bigger the gap in savings is, the bigger or the, the more quickly you get the return on the investment. And then it's just, and then it's just all gravy. Yeah. Um, another perk I have is charging, which sounds like, oh, well, like charging is this whole thing. It's a pain in the butt. Again, I guess I should talk more about the Leaf, too. So uh, we talked about how the Tesla Roadster was the first production car that could travel more than 200 mm-hmm. miles on a charge. <laughs> a Leaf doesn't do that. The first generation Leaf has a very small range. The new, or sorry, the Nissan Leaf, when it was brand new, would get about, ah, yeah, would get about 84 uh, miles, which is... 135 kilometers, give or take, to okay. a charge. And which, you said that the Tesla was like 300 and some. 320 kilometers. Yeah. Okay, so, so about like, ha- less than half. Yeah. Now, for me, 
the leaf works out fine for a second vehicle. So we, we talked about earlier how original electric cars were kind of these like city cars for getting around the city because yeah. they didn't have roads go farther. That's kind of what the leaf is for us. Um, so like even now my leaf with the battery degradation, we'll talk about that a little more too. Uh, I can still go like 80 kilometers before it even, I even get close to the point where I'm starting to like worry and pay attention to the dashboard. And because I can charge at home, I never have to go to a gas station. Yeah. So with the CRV, sure, you can fill up, fill up the tank and you can, you know, get five, six, six fifty kilometers on a tank. When you're just driving around town, first of all, you're going through more gas in the city. And secondly, you know, we could fill it up, never leave the city and have to go fill it up again. Yeah. Versus this leaf. I just plug it in every night, every morning. I can go a hundred and, and, and 10 kilometers in the, in the city. And then the next morning it's fine again. Yeah. It's not like you have to use gas to go buy gas and then come back home. Yeah. Like it's, it's basically not an errand. Whereas yeah. with. It's like plugging uh, your phone in overnight. Yeah, exactly. It's the perfect analogy, right? Like unless your phone dies on you in the middle of the day, you don't really pay attention so, you know, oh, my phone's at, at 70%, whatever. My phone's at 30%, whatever. I'm going to bed, plug it in. The next morning, it's fine. Yeah. And it's just, it's, I think it's freeing to never have to worry about that again. Um, and yeah, we talked about zombie apocalypse stuff too, how it's like you can get a lot farther with a solar panel than you can with uh, like a solar panel and an EV than trying yeah. to run on gas. So anyway, I, I love that part. And... I think a lot of people get kind of spooked by the idea of charging because with anything, right, when it first comes out and it's new, it's it's the nerds that get super excited about it. And nerds like to nerd out like I'm doing right now. <laughs> but I guess the alternative the... title for the podcast, I'm nerding <laughs> out right now. I'm nerding out so hard right now, guys. But like almost any person commuting maybe less than than 50 or 60 kilometers a day is going to be fine charging off of what's called a level one charger i.e a fancy extension cord plugged into a regular wall outlet it does feel like you shouldn't be able to plug your car into a regular wall outlet (laughs) like the thing i keep thinking about is have you ever seen those like big ropes that people work out with at the gym yeah it feels like that versus like a skipping rope <laughs> where you're like, I don't feel like I should be using this uh, $5 child jump rope to p- charge my car. I feel like I should be using like an industrial sized. It should basically be a PVC pipe, like, you know, big old baseball circumference size tube that you're using to plug your car in. Yeah. So like I said, level one charging is just plugging to a wall. And remember how we talked about, again, in the electricity episode, how watts is just your amps times your volt. Yes. So um, a lot of electric car stuff gets discussed in terms of kilowatts or thousands of watts. And a regular household outlet can put out about 1.8 kilowatts. Kilo, but And then we talked about kilowatt hours. Exactly. I'm proud so, of myself for remembering. Okay, good job. So kilowatt hours are how much energy a thing stores. So my leaf has a battery size of 24 point something kilowatt hours. So 
I mean, we can do the math there. If if you can charge it at, we'll say two kilowatts, and you want to charge a twenty-four kilowatt hour battery from flat, that's going to take you twelve hours. Yeah. Um, and actually, the leaf ha- will actually tell you, like, th- there's one, like a screen you can pull up that says, "Hey, here's how long it's going to take you to charge me on a one twenty volt outlet. Here's how long it's going to take you to charge me on a two forty volt outlet." So it'll just tell you that you don't have to worry about it. But like for most people, like I. Like you, you could come skin crawler, skin, skin shifter, whatever. Like you just come take over yeah. my life, right? Start. Mm. This is a weird, this is a weird vision. We're going to, we're going to revert. No, on this keep one. going. Cause we're already in deep. <laughs> no. anyway. I'm going to skin, skin vision, take over your life. <laughs> exactly. Like okay. if, if you, just, if, if we freaky Friday, that's better. All right. If oh, Friday. that would be so much fun. Oh, I wish we could freaky Friday. That would be great. Um, like y- you could probably just go out, jump in the in the leaf right now, and if all you knew was I need to plug this in when I come home for the day, you would really never have to worry about it anymore. I just love to nerd out about it. Okay. So anyway. so you're saying that, um, the the I assume with the continuing developing of technology, the less. Uh, prior knowledge, specialty knowledge that a user needs to have to actually effectively use their item. Like, it's not like you got to crank your car to turn it on anymore. You don't have to learn how to crank the car up. You just have to drive it. (laughs) And like, I I don't need to have what's called a level two charger put into my house for any EV, really. Are you Um, going to? I am. But um, like our, our friends just bought a Kona which has a, I think a 64 kilowatt hour battery. So you can imagine trying to charge a 64 kilowatt hour battery at two kilowatts. You know, you're going to be there for literally more than an entire day, like a full 20, well, more than 24 hours to charge that. Yeah. But how often, you know, that, that car is going to take them like 400 kilometers on a charge. How often are they driving 400 K in the run of a day? Yeah. So they don't have to charge it to full. And even, if they drive it all 400 kilometers, well, how often do you do a big road trip and then immediately the next day go into an, go into another big road trip? Now, obviously, having the ability to charge faster is useful if you are doing long distance travel. But um, and I'll, I'll put the link to the technology connection because, of course, I'm going to reference him again. <laughs> but he has a great video, which is basically everything you need to know about owning an electric car. And so much of it is you don't actually have to worry that much. <laughs> That's very comforting. Yeah. So the next level of charger is called a level two charger, which is kind of infuriating because you would have a level two charger that's just barely faster or better than a level one all the way up to like, you know, 10 times what a level one oh, charger so can you're do. You're saying there should be more levels in between. Or 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 just find a better way to to differentiate this because, oh, 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 my God. Fun fact. <laughs> actually. Okay. Actually, pushes I glasses up. I like how up. you fake push your glasses up every time you don't have glasses on. You just put your finger in the little dimple between your eyebrows and push. All right. Okay. Now I have my glasses on. Let me lean and see if we can get some audio of it. Actually, uh, <laughs> that was brave. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah. So, actually, technically, when I'm talking about EV chargers, I'm using the wrong terminology. 
The oh. thing that you plug into your wall at home and then plug into your car, oh, no matter yeah, how big the box on it, blah, yeah, blah. it's actually an EVSE or an electric vehicle supply equipment. That's lame. It It is lame. They could have named it something real cool. They could have named it like the juice hose. The juice hose. Well, <laughs> there is an EVSE it. manufacturer called Juice Box. Well, then they should have juice hoses. But actually, no, wait, they would have a straw because it would suck it up. <laughs> yeah. So. So EVSE, it's called that because the actual circuitry controlling the charge of your car is in your car. OK, so you can have an EVSE that can put out 10 kilowatts. But for example, my leaf, the onboard charger can only consume, I think, 6.6 kilowatts. Oh, so you so, don't even need it to put out 10 kilowatts exactly. because it would just be a waste. So you could be like, okay, well, um, I want to be able to charge my car fully in two hours on a 10 kilowatt charger. So I'll buy a 10 kilowatt EVSE, but then your car only has, you know, a three or a six or a 7.2. Um so that that's one of the more nuancey things, but again, even like the the like the the lower end, um, if you only had a, a six kilowatt EVSE, right? That's thirty amps draw from the wall, twenty four amps to the car. Uh, like you're still going to be charging quite a bit. So I've, I've got this gra graph here that will put the charging speed into miles per hour, which is kind of an interesting way to look at it. Okay. Because you're saying, okay, well, you know, 5.7 kilowatts, in, and the graph we have here is all for Teslas. But in a Model S, 5.7 kilowatts will take you 17 miles. Okay. So you're charging your car at 17 miles an hour. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And like, I guess technically, if you know, you could do that same calculation for your car. But I mean, whoever does that, right? Because your car obviously takes a lot, lot, lot less time to fill up. Yeah, although it feels like forever. Yeah, which again, it's so nice that I never have to do that in the city now. You fully convinced me. When we hang up from this podcast, <laughs> um, I'm yeah. going to go tell him that we should just buy one. Yeah, well, I I keep trying to muscle him. Like, we listen, should just get listen. rid of the car, honestly. Like, we yeah. don't need two cars. I don't know. Well, that's eh. my opinion. But see, that's the thing. Something like a Leaf, if you get one cheap, um, cause I, I, I paid after the incentives, I'll pay 10,000 for the leaf. That's basically what I sold my truck for. Mm -hmm. So I basically said a trade for it in Quebec. There's leaves by the dozen for like eight grand. I can go to Quebec. Yeah. And I happen to know some of our friends that are also looking for maybe a second car now. So, right. Get a couple of people together, rent, just have like a, a car hauler, bring in a load full of leaves because there's basically no maintenance. There's no oil changes. The brakes, you go through them a lot less. So it's really just insurance inspection tires. Hmm. Like aside from the actual like per mile running costs, which you have for any vehicle, it's basically free. Like not, not like not actually free, but like, it's just, it's bonkers how much less maintenance there is. Yeah. And like how much less stuff there is to go wrong, right? Like you're never going to go out to a dead alternator. Um, you can technically go out to a dead battery, but because uh, fun fact, electric Have vehicles. Have you forgotten to plug it in overnight yet? No. Your electric because car. You go out and kiss it goodnight every night. Maybe. <laughs> your electric car that has like 
you know, tens of kilowatts and hundreds of volts in its battery pack still relies on your standard automotive 12 volt battery to start. Really? Yeah. Uh, And I think, was it Jay Leno or one of the guys from Top Gear during the pandemic made a YouTube video complaining about their Tesla? Because basically the way it works is because we spent the last hundred years building cars with 12 volt batteries, all of your generic car stuff runs on 12 volts, like your wipers, your door locks, your headlights, everything in a car expects 12 volts. So your car needs to be able to supply 12 volts to basically everything besides like the, the powertrain. Yeah. And your car needs to have some kind of a small computer running to, you know, do like your, your, your remote unlock, remote start, all that just kind like of stuff. Just like a little guy. He just needs yeah. like a little computer guy yeah, just running. Yeah, a little guy sitting there. Just a little and guy. And for safety reasons, your high, like the, the high voltage battery or the traction battery, you'll see it called, is, is like disconnected when it's uh when the car is turned off so like if you're ever here when i start my leaf you'll hear this like click and that's the high voltage contactor closing basically turning on the switch so that the high voltage battery can be engaged now that is a moving part that i did not know would be in this car yeah but and you've been bragging about how few there are yeah there's still way fewer like a pretty significant one that's fine um because when the car is not moving, there's not there's not voltage or there's there's not current being pulled through that contactor. Mm-hmm. So you're not breaking it when there's voltage going through it, unless you're like turning your car off while it's driving, which don't. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. Yeah, that's that's basically level two charging is um, there's kind of a little more finale to know about. But again, realistically, almost any level two charger is going to charge almost any EV overnight. So unless you're like, I got to drive 100 kilometers to work, turn around, drive 100 kilometers home from work, and then pick up Timmy, drive him 100 kilometers to his hockey game, and 100 kilometers back, honestly, most EVs are probably going to pretty much handle that um, without any charging at all. And like, also, that just sounds like a nightmare hellish day to have to do that much driving in one go. But so... Yeah, so that was level two charging, which again, like realistically, level two charging should handle just about every single person's daily driving. Like you're, you're to and from work, unless mm-hmm. you live like, you know, 100 plus kilometers from work, which I know some people do. But anyway, it's pretty crazy. Level three or DC fast charging or fast charging or supercharging, lots of different words for it. This is like your big honking charger on the highway. Now, and I guess I'll back up too. a lot of this is predicated on, you know, you and I are both fortunate enough to live in a part of the country where you can afford a house, which means we have, you know, driveways we control and, and we, we can have charging at our residence. Yeah. Obviously, people in apartment buildings might not, um, although this is something that I've, I've seen starting to change a little tiny mm, bit. I've but seen I a think handful you gotta be of... in like a swanky apartment building. Yeah. But like, I, I know we had a friend who had an apartment that had like an outlet out by his assigned parking spot. Um, obviously that was for like a block heater, mm. but I, I would, I would, I can't imagine that you couldn't run a level one charger off of that either. I feel like the property management probably wouldn't like it. I think he paid for his own electricity. So I can't imagine, I can't imagine the care either way. For most people who have, you know, a residential accommodation where they have access to electricity where they park their car, mm-hmm. you know, level one, definitely level two, if you need it. 
Level three is if you don't have any of those options. I guess there are level two chargers at places. Yeah. Um, like, for example, the National Park near us actually has a couple of level two chargers in the park. Yeah. So you could drive to the National Park, plug your car in, go off and do your National Park stuff, and then come back and have your car. Yeah, the problem a lot is, of hotels have them. I don't know yeah. if those are level two or level three. but Those are probably level two. Yeah. Um, but again, like, you don't need a big level two charger to charge most vehicles overnight. So I, I I think it's a no brainer. Like every every new construction does, should have some level two chargers in it. Yeah, like, I mean that seems reasonable. And like the actual equipment isn't that expensive. Like in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, um, it's not as expensive as having to buy gas once a week for the rest of your life. So anyway, level level three your your fast chargers. These are the big honking boys. Um, like they're putting out. At a starting point. So yeah, level two chargers go from like three-ish to 10, 12-ish kilowatts. Okay. DC fast charging basically starts at 50 kilowatts. Ooh. For reference, your house, the maximum amount of electricity your house can consume at one time is about 50 kilowatts. Wild. Um, the electric motor in my leaf, I think, is an 80 kilowatt motor. Yeah, because you can convert kilowatts to horsepower. They're They're the same type of measurement. And 80 kilowatts, which is what my leaf can put out, is only 107 horsepower. But that means that the amount of power your house can consume is like 67 horsepower. And like, think of how many vehicles are out there with like hundreds of horsepower. Yeah. And it's just, it's There's horses I don't know, everywhere. It's just, it's just, it's just yeah, horses everywhere. It just seems wild that like, you know, our, our houses can consume so much less power at a given instant than even like small vehicles yeah anyway my question is so if you're at like a charging station like on a highway do you like swipe your credit card and pay for it the same way you pay for gas or is this just like a free use charging station no it's definitely not free use and i think this is somewhere this is probably the biggest challenge to widespread ev adoption for people that contemplate traveling between cities or like between multiple cities Mm -hmm. is charging infrastructure so like a 50 kilowatt charger is still an insane amount of power compared to level two in your house Mm -hmm. but it's still not that fast these days Uh, again our friends have a kona it's not a particularly high performance vehicle there's vehicles out there that can go faster that have more um, like more powerful motors oh, it's that have bigger batteries. Well, they got pardon? more juice. Got more juice. Yeah. Um, and on like a 50 kilowatt fast charger, it's like 45 minutes to charge their vehicle from like mm. 10 to 80%. Mm. The, there's cars out there now, like the Ionic 5, which is like the sexiest, newest, shiniest I want um, electric vehicle out there. <laughs> which can charge at 350 kilowatts. So, you know, just a casual seven houses running at full tilt worth of electricity. Wow. Screaming into this car worth of electricity. It's so much juice. And I think like the, the, the zero or the 10 to 80 charge time is like 18 minutes, maybe less. (sighs) It's, it's insane. And this is what. That's nuts. That's like you plug your car in you like get a drink and then you're good to go. Yeah. And this is what I think is beautiful about EV charging. First of all, even if every individual EV charging session 
out and about on a road trip takes longer. Think of all the time you're saving by not having to go yeah. to the gas station in town or like Costco, right? Because I, I usually try and fill up a Costco to gotta save a buck. And like, that's a solid 15 minute yeah. ordeal by the time you, you even if you're going to Costco, because the, the Costco gas station is at the other corner of the lot. Yeah. So you got to come out, get in the car, drive there, wait in line, pull up, do the whole pump, get out. It's a whole spiel. So the fact that basically there's there's like a 30 seconds worth of effort to charge my car every night. Mm. I've already saved all this time over my lifespan, not going to a gas station. Mm-hmm. So even if, if if I could stop at a gas station, pump gas in my car and be on the road in five minutes. Mm-hmm. If you're on a road trip, and like especially if you're getting two, three, four hundred kilometers mm-hmm. between charges, like unless you're going for like a like a world record speed run, you got to stop every two or three hours, have a bathroom break, get out, just stretch, you know do stuff be out of your car for a minute yeah so the fact that you can pull up plug your car in and then go do that like i I think like your your mean stop time probably doesn't go down that or doesn't increase by that much Mm -hmm. considering while the car is charging you can be off yeah you don't have to stand right next to it being administrating the charge exactly and then in terms of like how it works it depends And, and this is where i think this is where tesla has a huge advantage right now is um, like the network in our province, you have to either sign up and get their card shipped to you. So you can use that to like boop into the charging station, or you have to use the app on your phone to say, hello, I'm at charger number, whatever. Can you please let me charge now? Oh, okay. Which like, and I don't know why every EV charger, especially these ones that are, that are run or endorsed or, um, subsidized by like government programs. Like, I don't know why it's not a requirement that you should be able to walk up to it, put a credit card in, like yeah. you do an unattended gas pump, and just charge your car. Yeah. I, I think that should be law. And I think that would <laughs> fix a huge pile of, of the issues. Um, it's not so bad only because, like, in our province, the vast majority of chargers are administered by the power corporation. There's a handful of private, um, like, DC fast chargers out there. And you know what, though? Because the power corporation won't accept credit cards in any other capacity either. Mm. So this is a bigger problem. Yeah. We've uncovered well, a larger issue. Well, fun fact. Um, although I don't know why, because again, it's run by the power corporation. Or maybe it's because it's technically not run through the power corporation. They contract it out to the flow network. But it's the law in at least our province. I assume most provinces. I assume lots of states as well. That only like power companies can bill you per kilowatt. Oh. So the way most like public chargers work, oh, and actually you can call a level three charger a charger because (laughs) it actually is the charger. So when you plug into a DC fast charger, you're basically hooking up your battery directly to the external charger. You're plugging right into the grid. (laughs) and, And it controls the charging. Versus level one and two, you're basically plugging a fancy smart extension cord into your car. The extension cord says, hello, pleased to meet you. My name is the charger, but I'm not actually a charger. It's a misnomer. Anyway, I can give you 20 amps. How much do you want? And the car is like, I'll take uh, 12.7 amps today. It's like, all right, here you go. Uh, but <laughs> with your DC fast charger, it, it just it controls the whole thing from the, the charger side. Very cool. 
but anyway, so that's why you'll see most places advertise it in like, uh, you know, it's $15 per hour billed by the minute. Mm. And with these fast chargers, lithium ion batteries have what's called a charging curve, which is basically the more full they are, the, the slower they charge. That's also a wicked good price. When you think about the yeah. price of gas today, like let's say it takes you an hour to charge your car from like zero up. Yeah. $15? To go 400 kilometers? I haven't I haven't filled my car with $15. <laughs> Ever? Ever. Maybe when gas was like two cents a liter during, during like the, the opening of the pandemic. Wild. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what they charge by the minute. And because of the charging curve where it kind of tapers off at the end, that's why you'll see most cars advertise their fast charging spec from like 10% to 80%. Mm-hmm. Because if if your objective is to drive from point A to point B with the, with the least amount of time stopped at a charger, you're better off stopping at a charger when you're at like 10%, mm. topping up to 80, and then going to the next one. Mm. And then going to the next one. And never trying to get that last 20% in. Because you're going to take so long to get that last 20%. And it's going to cost you so much more money. Mm. So like our friends, they had their cone out. They went out to the charging station um by the big stop they had supper out there and they left on, on the fast charger the whole time they only put in like 12 kilowatts but a cup but they were on they, it took them the whole hour to get that mm. so they paid 15 bucks for that which is not yeah. a great deal for it um we're, we're chatting after the fact they kind of realized that well at that rate they probably could have plugged into like the seven kilowatt level two charger next to it mm. and paid a dollar fifty for like a similar amount of, or not the similar but you know yeah. for uh anyway and in our province right now, it seems there's one charging station every hundred-ish kilometers or so on all the main like highways. Okay. So like the Trans Canada, all of like the the single digit highways um, have one station. And when I say station, I mean like one one car can be charging yeah. at this place every hundred kilometers. Versus Tesla between where we live. Mm-hmm. And the, the other the other large city, um, there's an eight bay Tesla supercharger in our city, and there's an eight bay Tesla supercharger in the other city. Mm-hmm. So between these two cities, there's sixteen Tesla chargers. There's one non Tesla charger on the highway in each city, mm-hmm. and there's one at the midway point between the two cities. Mm-hmm. Now there's a handful of other decently fast ones in and around the towns, and. A growing I number how often of you're like fighting twos, other but, people for that, though. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the problem right now is if you do a lot of distance travel, um, there's a lot of stuff I don't like about Tesla, but they, they really do have a super robust charging infrastructure. And because of their ridiculous vertical integration, you basically get into your Tesla, say, you know, take me to Halifax. And it says, mm-hmm. OK, um, start driving. Uh, don't stop at this supercharger because I'm taking more. I'm taking people to that one. It's going to be busy when you get oh. there. So instead, go to this supercharger. It's farther away. That's fine. You'll have the charge to get there. Um, oh, okay, we're getting close. I'm going to start um, preconditioning your battery so that the optimal temperature. So as soon as you get here, you can just charge full tilt. Wow. Versus other cars, they might know where the charging stations are, but they have no idea how busy they are. Um, so it's like, here's the nearest charger. Oh, look, there's 20 people here. Mm. Also, there's only one of them. Mm, <laughs> so you're going to yeah. be a while. 
Um, also, Tesla does it very well because, like, again, we had that rental in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, all we had to do was pull up to the charger, take the the juice hose, <laughs> the juice the hose, yeah, hold it up next to the the charging port door because there there's electronics in both of them. The mm-hmm. door opens up. I plug it in. The car and the charger talk to each other and go, "Hello, it's me." x9 6j whatever 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 and, and then tesla just bills Elon you for Musk's it son's name yeah yeah and then so the charger knows who, who the car is and the charger just bills it to the to the the card on file wild so yeah they they really have that down pat but if um yeah if you don't travel a ton um Everything else is more viable. And obviously, it's as things progress, hopefully, <laughs> the infrastructure mm-hmm. uh, builds out for it. Yeah. If it's good, this good now, 10 years from now, it'll yeah. be a totally different landscape. Yeah. Um, and what you'll see some people do is they will rent campsites and not actually camp in them. But because what, what do campsites have? But like big 50 yeah. amp plugs for, for, you know, RVs to plug into. Yeah. So you just carry your level two charger, pull into the campsite, slap your charger in, <laughs> sit there for four or five hours, top the battery off and off you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what else did I have? I think. Oh, so <laughs> my last point around the perks of it, and I want to say this to last. Because we really haven't talked about the environmental impact yet, have we? Yeah, we don't care about the environment. Just well, kidding. I, Just kidding. Yeah. I care well, a lot. Well, here's the thing. There's so many people who are like, oh, only people who care about the environment buy electric cars. Which, like, first of all, I think we should all care about the environment. Because, yeah, fun fact, we all live on the planet. Yeah. Unless you're Elon Musk. Mm. Um, you can live on the planet one time. <laughs> yeah. But... So, like, we've talked about all the non-environmental reasons that electric cars are so fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then to the argument of, well, actually, electric cars emit more CO2 in their production, which is technically true. But uh, there's a great video from Engineering Explained where he basically breaks down where the break-even point is. Mm. And it's basically, if you drive anywhere close to the normal amount of driving people do in the run of a year, um, electric just is so much better after like a handful of, of years. Yeah. And that was with like the American average grid, mm-hmm. um, like generation mix, which is a lot dirtier than, than the Canadian one is. So like in Canada, especially the, the provinces like Ontario and Quebec that are mostly like hydro and nuclear, mm-hmm. uh, that calculus has to go even better. And fun fact, if you had uh, for a Tesla, I have the math here. If you had a Tesla that was powered 100% off of a coal-fired electric grid, coal being the worst fossil fuel to use for generating electricity, which gener- which releases the most CO2 into the air, it's still better than you driving a gas car that gets 100 miles a gallon. Wow. So, and again, we, I think we talked in the electrification video about how it's so great that like once, once you're using electricity, you, the end user, get the benefit of reduced CO2 emissions just as the grid naturally becomes greener. Mm. So it's like you can literally have a Tesla that runs off of coal electricity and be more environmentally conscious than mm-hmm. someone driving a Honda Civic. Yeah. In terms of like your, your lifetime CO2 emissions. Yeah. And then take into account the fact that basically nowhere has a 100% coal-fired grid anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just 
yeah, like the environmental impacts are huge. Um, I will throw out just briefly. I know we're at, we're running pretty late here, but that's okay. I'll, we have left several tangents to cut out. Yeah, I'll throw a quick plug in about hydrogen because you'll see that kind of come up as like a a, a different alternative. Mm-hmm. So electric vehicles kind of encompass this wide range of things. Technically, what we've been talking about are battery electric vehicles. Okay. Because you can also store hydrogen in like a bottle, kind of like a gas tank in a car, okay. and then use that hydrogen to generate electricity in the car. Forbidden juice. Forbidden, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and use that. So you can technically have a hydrogen electric car. Mm-hmm. I don't think those are really catching on. Not anywhere in North America. Toyota really want to push them in Japan. Hmm. But I don't think that's really caught on yet. Um, you can also kind of sort of have like a hydrogen combustion engine. But again, yeah, it's it's not quite there yet. I feel like it's going to take hydrogen... people a while to adjust. Because when I hear hydrogen, I think Zeppelin. And we all know how that ended. <laughs> oh, the humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that is part of the problem. It's highly flammable. Plus, to store any amount of it, you either have to keep it highly, highly pressurized in like a giant pressure vessel, which mm, sounds like a great thing to have in a fragile metal box traveling hundreds of mm. kilometers an hour around yeah. other fragile metal boxes full of explosion juice. It definitely or, doesn't sound like these two things are going to tap into each other and then just explode into a ball of fire. <laughs> yeah. Or you have to keep it super cooled so it's a liquid, which also takes an immense amount of energy. Yeah. Um, I guess side fun fact. I'll, I'll go fact check this one, but um, I saw a, a post talking about how it's wild how readily accessible gasoline is to people. And basically, like if, if somehow society was exactly the same as, as it is today, except we hadn't invented gas cars, mm. this person's like, there's no way the average person would be allowed to just go buy gasoline. Because I think it was the hydrazine or the benzene or, or one of the components of gasoline is like so carcinogenic. Mm. The person's like, you know, I work in like a laboratory environment and when we're handling even like trace amounts that we have to like, you know, fume hoods and masks and goggles and gloves, right? Versus you go to a gas station. Huffing it at the gas station. Uh, yeah. Your mom drives up to the pump and you roll the window down and inhale deeply. <laughs> Degenerate. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that just me? <laughs> now we know where Jade all went wrong. <laughs> but anyway, that's battery electric. Uh, versus hydrogen electric and then i had a little teeny tiny bit in here about trains um i was kind of say that we've had like electric trains for a long time because we'd realized that hey we can just put a diesel generator on a train and have that power an electric motor and that's way better than just like running like a diesel combustion engine through a mm-hmm. transmission to the yeah. train um for a lot of the reasons we talked about, like like the instant torque, like you need an absolute train load of torque to get a train moving. Yeah. So you either, you either need a gearbox that's the size of a small country to have enough gear ratios to start the train, or you hook it up to an electric motor, which makes peak torque all the time, mm. and you just go. So it's just cool. I like EVs. Um, I'm convinced right now, like if, if our CRV kicked the bucket, I don't think I'd even go to a plug-in hybrid, which we haven't really talked about. Oh my good, we haven't talked about this yet. <laughs> so the the continuum of cars is basically internal combustion engine. That's your generic car. Put gas in, gas make boom, cargo boom. There are mild hybrids, and that's what people have had 
for or advertise for like a decade plus now, right? Like you're, you know, almost any like a major manufacturer that talked about a hybrid before like three, four years ago was probably a mild hybrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that means that there's a very small back, like the, the Prius is like the, the archetypal hybrid car. Um, but like you get like a, a Camry hybrid. I think you get like Civic hybrids and Accord hybrids, lots of different hybrids. And they had like really small batteries, like a single kilowatt. And just as you would, um, if you're going down a hill, the car would use like the, so when you're going downhill, mm-hmm. normally you put your brakes on to slow right. your car. Yeah. The brakes are turning the momentum of your car into heat in mm-hmm. the brake rotors and then just dissipating that heat. Yeah. What an electric motor hooked up somewhere in your drivetrain can do is basically turn your car into a generator. So we talked about the, the spinning magnets. Yes. So you can use the spinning car to spin magnets and charge your battery. Cool. And that's called regenerative regenerative braking. Because instead of just turning the energy in your car moving into heat and just throwing that heat away into the environment, you can take a good chunk of it and put it into your battery. That's genius. Yeah. So that's what and uh, that's what a mild hybrid does. And because electric motors are more efficient at like starting, like starting off from like a, a stop sign, mm-hmm. a mild hybrid can use the electric motor to do that. A plug-in hybrid is a step up above that, which will have a bigger battery, like 10 kilowatts or something like that, mm-hmm. and the ability to actually plug it in and charge it. And you actually might be able to do 20, 30, 40 kilometers of driving only on um, It's kind of like an electric bike. Yeah, but it has a, a motor built into it as well. Mm. And so I, I was looking at a RAV4 hybrid, plug-in hybrid, except you can't get them because there's like a three-year wait period or whatever. Because we could drive all around town here just on electricity and then still have gas to leave town. Yeah. But with the Leaf right now, we do all of our in town driving with that. And the CRV is all gas for going outside the city. Because yeah. I don't think I go for a plug-in hybrid anymore. Because I think I'm so on board with electric. And with plug-in hybrid, you have all of the downsides. Like all the things that can go wrong on points of failure for mm. both systems. Yeah, that's true. So, like... Unless I had to spend a lot of time off the beaten trail in places where there was no charging infrastructure. Mm. Like if I had to go, you know, 200 kilometers from home along the regular highways and then off in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Even that you can probably still do. But like if I had a camp in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Right. It might be a little bit less in, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. in tricing, but Enticing. Enticing. Thank you. But like. I think for most people, I, I think electric cars are, are finally at that point. Um, I think it's really just, just a cost barrier right now. But even yeah. with the current incentives, um, it gets pretty close to being not much more money for the EV version of a car compared to a similarly trimmed version of the gas car. Now, again, part of the problem is that no one's making like an absolute base trim like I guess even like a base trim Honda Civic is pretty expensive, <laughs> but like a Honda Fit yeah. or uh, Micra or Nissan Micra, right? Like th- those little teeny tiny, I just need a car to do car things. Yeah. Like we don't have like ten, fifteen thousand dollars EVs yet. Yeah. Um, which is obviously, you know, the next big hurdle to get that. Mm-hmm. But again, like this Leaf that I got, you know, I paid 10 grand for it. It, um, you know, had 100,000 kilometers on it, which for like an eight year old vehicle, not too bad. Um, 
Oh, battery health. We didn't talk about that. <laughs> I know we're getting long, mm -hmm. but one of the misconceptions people have is like, well, I don't want an electric car because I'm going to have to spend five, 10, 15, $20,000 on a new battery every three years. Mm, that is yeah, that unbelievably be, false. Oh, okay. Well, that's good because it sounds unbelievably expensive. Yeah. Um, so again, I love the Leaf. The Leaf is probably the least capable electric car out there right now. Because the two things that kill or, or degrade electric car batteries are heat, mm -hmm. just being hot in general. Yeah. And it's hard for us when we're yeah, it's so hard being hot. <laughs> and char charging them or charge cycles or depth of discharge. And so because the Leaf has a small battery, I'm putting more overall cycles on that battery. So because the Leaf battery is so small, you know, I, I'm draining it and filling it much more than if I had a battery three times the size, right? Okay, got it. Um, and the Leaf does not have any kind of active cooling for the battery. Okay. It's just whatever air rolls through the car All right. is what cools the battery off. Hmm. So that's not too bad up here in Canada, but in places like Arizona, yeah, <laughs> where it's like 130 degrees in the summer, the yeah. batteries almost just melt. What's really cool about the leaves is in the dashboard, there's like a battery overall health indicator. Oh, okay. Um, and my leaf after eight years, after 100,000 kilometers is still at 85% of its overall health and capacity. And as the batteries degrade, they'll start to degrade slower. So again, that sounds it's like, okay, you know, so after eight years, I've lost like 15% of the range of this car permanently. Mm. Yeah. But again, the least the worst car. Um, most other EVs have like active thermal management. So either they have like fans that will force air through or they have like liquid cooling loops mm -hmm. through the batteries to actually try and like manage them more. And I think Tesla after like, you know, a 10 year old Tesla might still have 97% of its battery health left and have gone like 200,000 kilometers or something. Yeah. So. Um, and it's only going to continue to get better as technology exactly. improves. And like, like most people, especially if you buy it new, you're probably going to sell or trade the car before it even gets close to needing a battery replacement. Yeah. Um, even like even this, again, the secondhand leaf still has more than enough life left in it for me. And basically everything after the leaf that there are significant numbers of on the market have that active management. So they're going to degrade less. They also have way bigger batteries. So that's going to help them degrade less. And yeah, like I think the replacement cost, you know, even if it's 10 grand, it's basically that, that, that's the big thing in your car. Yeah, you're and not so spending you as that, much year over year. Yeah. And if you replace that battery, you effectively have a brand new car. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like the motors, I mean, like, yeah, they can technically wear out, but like it's not it's not like your transmission, right? Like, you know, that 300,000 kilometers on a gas car, it's like, well, the transmission hasn't been replaced yet. And mm -hmm. this thing hasn't gone. This thing hasn't gone. It's probably going to go someday here soon. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Does the is is there any appreciable difference in the insurability? Um, I think it depends a little bit. I know for me, it didn't really change okay. my policy going from the Yukon to the Leaf. Um, Which is wild. <laughs> just, yeah. Just like I could see being like, yeah, going from the Honda Fit to the Leaf didn't really change anything. But like going from the Yukon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Well, I think it. It's probably I mean, partially just that the like the replacement cost is similar. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think it depends on on your insurer. Yeah, but uh, yeah, like anything, right? Like it comes into the car and the make and the model. Yeah, like, but like assume... you didn't you didn't change have to update your policy and then be like, oh wow, that was a big no. surprise. Or just you know, no. run of the mill. Yeah, like it it seemed about normal. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I'm super into it. I'm um, on board. I yeah. I'm on board. I already texted him. <laughs> and I don't even Excellent. care. I don't know. I just hate going to the gas station. Yeah. And worse than that, here's the problem. And I have many flaws as a human being, but this is probably my number one flaw as a wife. We can ask my husband about this. <laughs> I do not look at the gas tank ever. ever. No. And that's not, that wasn't always true. Before I, I worked from home for several years, like permanently mm-hmm. remote before the pandemic. And so for a long time, I was not the primary driver of our car. I went back to the office, husband works from home. So now I am the primary driver of the car, have been for two years. I never look at the gas tank. How? Every few weeks I go, oh, I haven't looked at the gas tank in a while. And then I go, oh, and I probably get gas once every few months. It's because he knows this. So on the weekends, <laughs> when he takes it out to go somewhere, he says, wow, hun, we're under a quarter tank. Maybe we should get gas. And basically every time he's in the car, he fills it up. It is not <laughs> intentional. I have tried so hard to like build the habit of looking at the gas. I don't know why. It just doesn't happen. It's a problem. Hmm. I will get the gas if I notice that it's getting low. <laughs> I just don't see it anymore. Well, yeah, at least you've never like ignored the low gas warning, I assume. No, I've never ignored the low gas warning, yeah. but he doesn't like it to get below a quarter tank. Yeah. And I don't notice. I just yeah. it's it's blindness. I just don't see it. Well, we'll chat more about this. because I feel like you still want to keep chatting and I love talking about this, but. I will try and wrap it up here a little bit. Just no so, lake uh, facts today. No, it's it's so short. Okay, fine. It's just it's, it's the just one lake. fact. So I saw a post talking about how some countries got their names. Um, it's like oh Canada, blah blah. blah. You know, we've all seen the Heritage Minute. Um, yeah. And someone was talking about the country in Africa called Chad. Yeah. Which is just named after Lake Chadley. Chad. Yeah. But do you know that not that long ago? just 5,000 BC or so that there was Lake Mega Chad. <gasps> Mega Chad going to rip up all the other bros at the gym. Huh? <laughs> and so Lake Mega Chad was like a not not even prehistoric. It's like, you know, 7,000 years ago, 5,000 BC. Uh, and it had a surface area larger than the Caspian Sea. Wow. So like this was like a proper. Well, uh, then it deserves old, the name. Lake. Yeah, Mega Chad. Like Mega Chad. Although I, I did Google like Giga Chad, but no, it wasn't a Giga Chad, <laughs> just a Mega Chad. Okay, but anyway. there's there's always hope for the future. The future, yeah. So that was my one like fact I wanted to squeeze in. Uh, do you have any follow up on your sea monsters? No, I haven't right. received the um, deluge. Dulge? I don't know. Deluge? Deluge. I haven't received the dozens of letters I was expecting to receive in support or admonishment (laughs) for my controversial topic. In fact, I have not received one letter about this, which I am shocked by. But uh, no, I have no additional facts. I think I covered it in my... What did I keep saying? My 
15 page Thesis? dissertation. Dissertation, yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. All right, goodbye. See you next week. If you like this episode, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. You can find us at Fun Fact Collectors on Instagram and Twitter. If you have suggestions for future episodes or just want to share your favorite fun fact, feel free to send us an email at headnerds at funfactcollectors.com. If you're interested in learning more about today's topic, check out the show notes. This has been Fun Fact Collectors. See you next week. See you next week. Wow, wow, wow.